When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Jason Kim first shared on the podcast in December of 2016. Here's Jason now with a story we call Read Me. Hi, guys. Hi, Paul. I am Korean. I am also gay. <laughs> So thank you for stealing my identity. Listen, you might be a surgeon, but I work in TV. I hope you find your Brian. A lot of dad stories tonight, and mine is really no different. Uh, this is a story about my father, a psychic, and a trailer park. I grew up in Seoul, South Korea, and one of my very first memories is as a two-year-old taking a nap on my dad's big tummy. <laughs> Falling asleep to the wonderful music of his snoring and feeling my head bobbing up and down with his breath. Like everyone who grew up in Seoul with a father, I really idolized him. He stood very tall at five foot seven. He had this wonderfully aristocratic salt and pepper hair, which had a huge bald spot, and he always wore a lot of tweed. He was an architect, and one of his favorite things to do was to buy a house, flip it, and then move into it. Now, I hated moving as a child, I hated packing, I hated unpacking even more, I hated moving furniture, it was a huge hassle for me. So in order to grease me up, my dad would come home every time he wanted to announce this news with a plastic bag full of popsicles. So in 1996, when I was 10 years old, I heard the elevator door open, I heard my dad's footsteps, and I heard the rustling of the plastic bag, and I knew immediately what he was gonna say. And sure enough, he came home and he said, hey, we're moving to a new place. Get ready, it's gonna be in two weeks. So I start wondering, okay, maybe this isn't gonna be so bad. Maybe this time we'll move into a penthouse in Olympic Village, a nice mountain house with a great view. But two weeks later, my dad, my mom and I get on a plane, and we move 
5,000 miles across the globe to St. Louis, Missouri. So I don't know if you guys have been to St. Louis, but... <laughs> there's really nothing there except for trans facts and segregation. <laughs> so for the next eight years, I spend all of my time wondering why we immigrated to the United States. And during the rare occasions where I would gather up enough courage, I would go to my father, this proud, stern man, and ask him, Dad, why did we move here? And I would always, without fail, every time, be greeted with complete silence. Sometimes when he was in a funny mood, he would tell me to go up to my room and shut the door and stop thinking. <laughs> so it's the day before I go off to college, and I decide that I'm gonna try one more time. So I take my dad out to dinner at Applebee's, trans fats, <laughs> and I sit him down across from me and I ask him, Dad, why don't we just go home? You are so unhappy here. You used to be so gregarious, so big, so friendly and warm and open, and now you seem so small and depressed and sad. Why don't we just go home? Why did we move here? And like always, he looks right at me and doesn't say a word. And I could feel my anger boiling inside. And I turn to him and I say, you are a terrible, selfish man. I hate it here. The next day I fly to New York with this question still in my mind. And so you would think that when your best friend decides to buy you a reading with New York City's most prominent psychic, the psychic to the Clintons, the NYPD psychic, the psychic whom the show Medium is based on, you would think that the first question out of my mouth would be, hey, why did we immigrate here? But no, because I do not believe in psychics. I am an immigrant, which means I believe in facts. And hard work. So I go up to this psychic's apartment in the Upper East Side. She's wearing this gorgeous red tunic from Morocco. And we sit down and she turns to me and she says, I had a great conversation with your ancestors last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really? You did? <laughs> you speak Korean? <laughs> Ancient Korean? <laughs> But she looks right at me and she, for the next hour, starts to tell me that everything I'm doing in my life has been completely wrong. So as a side note, I should tell you that at the time I'm in college, I am about to apply to business school. I am a week away from accepting an offer to work at Citibank. And I have decided that I'm going to spend my entire life wearing loose-fitting suits and kind of ugly Oxfords. No offense to everyone here in this room for working a bank. Sorry. So for the next hour, Patricia the Psychic proceeds to tell me, honey, you are not going to go to business school. You should really get it together and be an artist. And not just any kind of artist, a writer. And not just any kind of writer. I think you'd be very good at writing dialogue. Uh-huh. By the way, I'm sorry to tell you that in the next couple of years, you're going to get sick 
you're going to have some lower back pain after, but it's going to be fine. Also, I think you're drinking too much coffee and eating too many bagels. <laughs> and lastly, I know that you've always wondered why you immigrated here. And I have to tell you that it's because your father got in a fight with his brother. Now, I don't know if you guys watch TV, but I watch a lot of Shonda Rhimes TV shows. And there's <laughs> always a moment in every single one of her shows, in every episode, where the female protagonist, who's usually wearing a lot of Gucci, <laughs> has been trying to solve a mystery, and at the very end, hears something, and everything clicks into place. So at that moment, I stand up from the table, I look at Patricia, and I tell her, See, this is how I know that you're a fraud because my dad doesn't have a brother. My dad has a younger sister, so thank you and goodbye. And she proceeds to get up and she looks right at my face with her piercing eyes and she says, I'm right, and by the time you realize it, it's going to be too late. Okay. Cut to five years later, I'm in graduate school for writing. <laughs> for playwriting. <laughs> I have just arrived to class after an appointment at the chiropractor because I've been having a lot of lower back pain from the seizure I had from viral meningitis. And my mom calls me out of the blue and she says, hey, listen, I know that you're approaching your summer vacation soon and I really want us to take a mother-son trip to Seoul. And I think, okay, great. So a couple of weeks later, we get on a plane and we fly all the way back to the other side of the globe. And we spend the next two weeks together getting drunk, getting a lot of manicures and pedicures, getting a lot of facials. We're really serious people. You know? And on the last night, my mom tells me, tomorrow we're going to go somewhere early and I'm going to wake you up. And my mom is also basically a Shonda Rhimes character, so, so, so when she gets into these moods, I don't really question her. So the next morning, we wake up early, we get into a car, and I think we're going to go to breakfast with one of her friends, and we start driving, and she drives, and she drives, and she drives, and I look back, and I can see the city getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and all of a sudden, we pull in to a trailer park. And I ask my mom, what are we doing in a trailer park? And instead of answering, very typical Kim family trait. She pulls up to the very last metal container and out walks this man who looks exactly like my father. So the next 24 hours are kind of a blur, but I make a lot of discoveries. I discover that my dad not only has a younger sister, he has a younger brother and another younger sister and another younger brother I discover that my dad is not one of two, but one of five. I discover that my dad decided to leave the rice farm when he, when he was 15 years old in order to make money for his family. I discover that he made all that money, put all of his siblings through college, paid for their weddings, set up trust funds for their children to go to college. I discover that all of his siblings have emotional problems and I discover the uncle who's standing in front of me is a severe alcoholic and an addict. I discover that he abused his wife and he went to jail and my father bailed him out and that I gave him $50,000 to restart his life. And I discover that he took that money and 
bought a saxophone because what better way to start your life over than through jazz? <laughs> I discover that he took the saxophone, went to a bar, proceeded to get drunk, and left it there. And I discover that the day that my dad came home with the plastic bag full of popsicles, he found out and he decided that he didn't want to be there anymore. The car ride home was eerily quiet, and my mom and I looked at each other. I could see that she had tears in her eyes, but we didn't say a single word for two hours. And as we were pulling up to our hotel, she looked at me and she said, I know you've always wondered, but I have to tell you, your dad is a good man. I fly back to New York City, for the next couple of weeks, I get to know my father. And during one of the conversations that we have, I call him and I tell him exactly what I discovered. And I ask him, Dad, why didn't you say anything to me? And he gets very quiet. And he says, why tell you all the bad when I can show you the good? For my dad, the good was immigrating to the US. The good was making himself small so that I could be big. During one of our later conversations, I suddenly realized, oh shit, Patricia the Psychic. <laughs> so I quickly get off the phone. Sorry, Dad, good to know you, but talk to you later. <laughs> and I flip my apartment upside down, searching for this little notebook I used during the session to write everything down. I finally find it in a shoebox, I read through it, and I am overwhelmed that over half the things that she had said had come true. So I pick up the phone, I start calling her, and I call her, and I call her, there's no answer. I type in her name, I click enter, and the first thing that pops up is her obituary, dated one week before. So maybe it was too late, but also maybe not because my dad, not a selfish man, a selfless man, and a good man. Thank you. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk.show.com.